everyone. Hello. This is Mike Foch here with Brian Weed. Hello. And this is our Calvary Distinctives 2.0. The chapter is chapter 10, episode 12, and we are talking about the supremacy of love. And the summary here of this chapter is simply that godly Christian love needs to permeate all that we do. So Chuck says this on pages 113 and 114, all our doctrinal orthodoxy and understanding of scriptures are of no value without love, though I understand the great mysteries, things like the mystery of the Godhead, the sovereignty of God, or the responsibility of man. If I don't have love, they're worthless. If I'm just getting in people's faces and working to make them see and believe my side, my doctrinal purity profits me nothing. It's all worthless without love. I've come to the conclusion that it's more important that I have the right attitude than I have the right answers. If my answers are wrong, God can change them in a moment by the revelation of his truth. But oftentimes it takes a whole lifetime to change an attitude. Better that we have the right attitude and the wrong answers than the right answers and the wrong attitude. Remember that the next time you get in an argument with someone over some doctrinal position or issue. Uh, The biblical basis of the supremacy of love. Again, I I think this is pretty easy here, but John 13, 35, John 15, 8 through 9, 1 Corinthians 13, Ephesians 5, 2, Colossians 3, 14, 1 Thessalonians 3, 12, and 4, 9. Um, This is a pretty straightforward one. Yeah, and again, obviously, when he says all our doctrinal orthodoxy, He's not talking about saying it doesn't matter if we believe Jesus is risen from the dead, but he's getting at a at a maturity point that we would be able to distinguish between what kinds of things humility and love need to take the front seat in, and yeah. what kinds of things uh, are I need to stand my ground. Yeah, and I think there's there's also a biblical truth that you can't really know truth without embodying it. Mm-hmm. And the reality is there does come a point where it doesn't matter how much I know if I don't have love because really knowing it would produce the Christ-like love in my life. So there is a proportional balance between these two that I think the Bible makes essential It's such a convicting, in our lives. humbling truth, right? That, yeah. That I mean, how many times have we run into this? I think if you love the Bible, you study the Bible, if you get into these kinds of conversations with people, you find over time that there's times in your life where the Holy Spirit convicts you, like, yeah, I really don't care about your position. Like, why'd you say that to that brother? You know? And you're like, "Uh, what? You don't care, Lord? And you just begin to be taken to task for the fact that God's uh, concern lies elsewhere. Yeah. So by way of application, Chuck uses the example of meeting this crazy kid at a youth camp and taking them aside, buying them a snack, some ice cream, talking with them, coming to understand, have compassion on his life, and encouraging kind of the youth counselor to do the same. And by way of exhortation, he encourages the pastoral example of this attitude, which I think is important. Page 115, he says, as we minister to a fellowship or a group, whether it's a home Bible study or a church of 10,000 people, we need to make certain that one of our major themes is love, and that love needs to be demonstrated by our own actions, attitudes, and life. May everyone see the love of Christ manifested in us. 
As Paul said to Timothy, be thou an example of believers in word and conversation and charity and spirit and faith and in purity. 1 Timothy 4.12 Constantly seek to be understanding and compassionate, seeing people in and through the compassion of Christ. Um, and I think that's important because uh, we would see that, I think, as a distinctive of the pastorate as well. Like, if you don't love people, right? if you as a pastor cannot be an example of this type of Christ-like love, then you're probably not a pastor. If you don't like being around people, if you're not just drawn to go do the things people are doing, because that's just sort of what you love, I think your dad would probably say, Mike, uh, you know, shepherds love sheep. Yeah. You know you're a shepherd yeah. if you want to be with sheep. If you don't want to be with sheep, you're not a shepherd. It's like the most, once you see it, you're like, oh, that makes sense. And so, do you know, there's a, Chuck elevates this almost like, he he wants to say it's like it's a it's a qualification it's a distinctive it's it's that that the people in leadership the whole church would know they love us yeah he loves us he loves the church and uh, I remember years ago hearing this guy talk about being a father and he said that you should just I I just had my first child it was such a good thing for me to hear he said dads should just exude the vibe as their kids are growing like isn't this a great family. Like, I love this family. This is the best family to be a part of. And he just said, that's going to set the tone for so many things. And what great parenting advice. But what great leadership advice. I love this church. Uh, I love being here. And if the people in the church know that, that's going to set the tone. And I think Chuck's point is to say, this is biblical. This is an application of what the Bible teaches about the the Christian life in general, so we know leaders should be exemplary, and it should be a hallmark of our churches. Yeah, and I, I think, I don't know if somebody said it or it just dawned on me, but just the simple idea that God hasn't granted authority for us to use it to tear people down. Mm-hmm. God God has granted, if you're in a leadership position, particularly a pastoral position, he's granted that authority to edify and to build up. And even in correction, we're doing that in love. We're removing boulders or weeding or tilling because we're trying to see fruit produced. Even those tough conversations you know you have to have with people, we're doing it because we love you enough to say it and because maybe nobody else in your life will say something like this to you. Yeah, maybe you could say the authority he gives ministers is the authority to put words and action, authoritative action behind their love or to to deliver love in the form of direct words and authoritative yeah. action. Whereas we're all called to love each other, but leaders are called to, to do certain things with that love that, that is authoritative. Yeah. So, you know, I think this is an understated example of Chuck's. Like what I know, again, I have heard one of the things that knew that people who knew him personally just said was he was such a loving dude. That he wasn't a pushover. You knew that about Chuck right. too. But he exuded love for God and others in a way that was obvious. And there's not a way that that we as humans can fight sin with sin. <laughs> that, if we really want to do the work of the ministry, yeah, it if can't we, be with sin. Yeah, That's not we, a tool. Can, we can't do it that way. This, this has to be an essential. And uh, you brought this point up earlier, which I think is was great, Brian, that to say, it's saying something just at this chapter, even though it seems so simple, Right. It seems so straightforward. Like we don't even have to work hard to prove the biblical basis of this. 
it's saying something that this chapter is in this book. In the book on Calvary Chapel Distinctives, yes. Yeah, like in the if if most churches were going to write out their distinctives, I think we'd get a lot of theological, straightforward, orthodox statements. But this is pretty unique. Like I wouldn't, I have not at least seen this in a lot of places, and I think it's pretty awesome that this is one of our distinctives. This is something that we want to be evident and think should be evident biblically as a Calvary Chapel. Yep, you can read this book, you want to go into ministry, you hit this chapter, you go, oh, this is a great check, and okay, I need to make sure I can't forget this yeah. as I serve the Lord. Yeah, it has to be an emphasis in our churches, an emphasis as a, a pastoral staff and a leadership, and an emphasis in our body, the, the love to God and then love to others that, People would know were his disciples by that. And you think of the things the Bible says about love. You know, love never fails. And you think of the difficulties in church world that we've had over the last few years. And some things may be being legitimate and some things maybe we could take issue with. But the the struggles people have had with church over the churches yeah. over the last few years. And you just think about how many of them are answered by love, biblical love, yeah, right? The love of God, the, the love that actually flows from the Spirit. Not the world's version of love, but real love, yeah. right? Not simply acceptance, but love answers, you know, covers a multitude of sins, never fails, perseveres. Yeah. You said 1 Corinthians 13. And so to say, we think the Bible directs us to put that at the center of who we are, to write that as the banner over who we are and to flavor all our ministry that's just going to solve a hundred problems that are so common to face in church world. Yeah, I think even particularly in this day and age, like you mentioned, it's different than the world. So there's so many messages out there about what love is and what love looks like and what's unloving. How much more do we need biblical examples, a community of what? biblical love looks like and is worked out that that's going to be such a light in the world that we live in because they're skewed versions like everywhere so the world we live in needs to see this mm -hmm. they need to see and know and i think in some ways it is hard but in other ways it's not that hard <laughs> like you, the world's so rough in so many ways you could come into a body of believers where people just care about each other and want to love god and encourage one another and it makes a big difference yeah. And I know we've had people come into our church and say, man, we we were so worried about what people in the church would be like or say, and then get here and they're like, people here are awesome. I know. It actually makes you sad. Like, oh, I'm sad that you thought like it was going to be rough when you came here. Yeah. But praise the Lord when they find it different. Yeah. You know, you get, so our church has been around for a while and you, it's sad when you hear about the things that that break up a church other places. So many people have a story of having been involved in a fellowship somewhere that was wonderful for a while, mm -hmm. and then it broke down for some mm -hmm. reason. And a lot of them are, like you said, reasons that just simple love could have solved, whether it was a division or whether it was some weirdness, whether it was some de denominational thing or some morality issue, whatever it was. To Our church isn't perfect, but to just have a stable place where people can love God and love one another, that's really huge in this day and age. And like you said, Mike, over the long haul, you think about relationships between people who are in ministry together. Mm -hmm. You think about relationships 
between church members and you've got relationships between people who are in ministry and the church. All kinds of, you said all kinds of things are going to come up to test that and to stress it. So when you're going through those kinds of things, if we know right from the get-go that the center we want to come back to is love, you know, that can save you when you feel like you're going to pull yeah. apart. When an argument could escalate and you go, wait a second, from the beginning I know that what the Lord wants us to do is love each other. That's a hallmark. That's a distinctive yeah. here. It's supposed to be, and it's what God wants. Let's come back to love. And... um I mean, there's been times where, you know, someone I was frustrated with, and I just felt at a certain point, the Lord was like, your problem is you don't love that person. And, you know, you don't want to admit that to God. <laughs> uh, but it's like the most searching, convicting, annoying thing, because you're like, but what about the issue? And the yeah. Lord's like, yeah, but what about, how come you don't love that brother? Yeah. And if, if we let him, man, it's just going to, again, it's going to solve 100 problems. Yeah. I think, again, even in the home circle, there are so many times I, you can be right, or you can have a leeway to do something, but you, I can just think with my kids, I can say the same thing to them in a different way, yeah. <laughs> right? Like, I I don't have to actually change the message at all. It is just what is behind it. That's That's the difference, but you can tell. You can tell when what's behind it is love, even if it's firm or direct, or what's behind it is angst or anger or, or something else. And that really actually points out a connection between this chapter and the last chapter. Because when you think that thought, and it's true with people in church, I can say this thing to this brother or sister, it needs to be said. Why would I add angst to it? Why would I say it without love? Well, because yeah. I'm bothered. And yeah. I want to put part of myself and I want to do the work of the Lord with my own flesh and my own effort. Yeah. But what if God's not annoyed at that? What if God's not angry at that brother? Yeah. And so it co- takes me back to... What is the Spirit doing? Can I do this work? Can I say these words according to the Spirit? And then they're only going to be said with love. Yeah. Yep. Moses and the rock. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can begin to go through the Bible and just pick out pick out the scenarios where you see this happen over and over again. And, you know, we, we want this to be a distinctive about Calvary Chapel. And I think in a lot of ways it is. You know, I, I think you would say the same. Our church... As a as a, a pretty incredible group of people that love God and love one another, the most encouraging, uh, like people that want to come up under you. It's just no church is perfect, but yeah, it's really an incredible group, and I think that it, it is the hallmark of this fellowship. I mean, I don't want to. It's like puffing us up, like we're nailing. Sure. I'm not. We're not doing anything. Just having been here now for decades. I just don't, I can't even imagine living without this kind of, really, it's the fruit of Christian yeah. love in people's lives. Yep, and, and we're blessed to be a part of the Calvary Chapel family. I just yep. got back from a conference, and it's just a blessing to see people serving the Lord, walking with Him, hearing the things God is doing all over the world, you know, um, and you realize it's because of the love of God. He, he changed people individually, and now they're going out and doing His work, and you're seeing that made evident all over the place. So, supremacy of love, simple in some ways, but how important and how blessed that this would be in this book and a part of what we want to be a distinctive of Calvary Chapels. Yep. Amen. All right, guys. Thanks. Love one another. See you. See you.